Welcome to a news episode of Turning Season Podcast, your regular dose of active hope in the great turning, bringing you news and deep conversations about our adventure toward a life-honoring, life-sustaining way of being human together on Earth. Our uncertain, perilous, beautiful adventure. This show is for every one of you who's awake to our multiple crises, feels their love for life on Earth, and chooses to participate in cultivating ways of life we can believe in. Today is the new moon in July 2022, and this is the first news episode of Turning Season Podcast. I had the idea to do these episodes a few months ago while listening to a five-minute NPR podcast, which was a very quick, back-to-back series of stories that clearly came with the sense of, here's what you should know. It was something like updates on war in Ukraine, the stock market, NBA basketball, and a mass shooting in the U.S. And yes, it is good for me to know about those things, to hear them, to breed them through, to let them touch me and inform my life. But I also felt like it would be good for me and for you to know about other kinds of stories. Stories of the great turning in action. A brief, back-to-back series of stories of people caring about each other and the rest of the web of life. As I was choosing which three things to include in this episode, I realized, wow, I cannot keep up with all the ways, all the ideas, all the groups enacting the great turning. And that is good news. All right, here are three things I think it might be good for you to know. In Ecuador, a group of indigenous women has founded a center called Casa de Mujeres Amazonicas, or Home of Amazonian Women, a housing and healing center for indigenous women who are fleeing violence, the violence facing them as land defenders or domestic violence or both, Among the founders are Nina Gualinga, defender of the Amazon and advocate for women's rights and climate justice, whom I mentioned in episode 14 after she spoke at the Bioneers Conference, and Itaya Andi, also from the Sarayaku community there in Ecuador. Itaya Andi studied community therapy in university, and she's quoted in an article on the Thomson Reuters Foundation site as saying, I started connecting the dots between the harm caused by colonialism, gender inequality, and extractive violence. Extractive violence meaning violence against people defending their land from mining, deforestation, poaching, and oil drilling. She asked the questions, how can we support indigenous women? How can we collectively heal? So this center is a place by and for indigenous women of the region that creates time and space for healing, time and space to rest, recover, and reimagine what resistance could look like. They're providing group therapy there because they feel it's more beneficial for indigenous women than the one-on-one, more individualistic therapy, partly because these women are all dealing with structural issues. I will link in the show notes to the article about the Casa de Mujeres Amazonicas from the Thomson Reuters Foundation News, as well as an article by Amazon Watch in Marin Magazine about Nina Gualinga's travels across the Amazon 
Connecting with Other Indigenous Women Leaders. That article includes a short video featuring women at a march in September 2021, a gathering of over 5,000 Indigenous women from 172 nationalities, marching together with the National Association of Ancestral Indigenous Women Warriors. You can find those links in the show notes at turningseason.com slash episode 16. Earlier this year, in March of 2022, the United Nations Environment Assembly in Nairobi agreed to begin writing a global treaty, an international legally binding instrument to clean up plastic pollution around the world and to curb plastic production, aiming for coordinated global action on this issue. I'll highlight some significant statements in the resolution. They recognize high and rapidly increasing levels of plastic pollution represent a serious environmental problem at a global scale. They recognize that plastic pollution includes microplastic and impacts the marine environment, the oceans. They also recognize the need for national action plans to prevent, reduce, and eliminate plastic pollution and the overarching need to support regional and international cooperation. Given that the plastics problem crosses all national boundaries, the document makes a point of recognizing the wide range of approaches that already exist, sustainable alternatives and technologies that can address the full life cycle of plastics, the harm that may come about throughout their full life cycles, and also recognizes the contribution made by workers in many countries under informal and cooperative settings to collecting, sorting, and recycling plastics. They also note that some of the legal obligations coming from this agreement will require capacity building and technical and financial assistance in what they term developing countries and countries with economies in transition. This is an important acknowledgement that not all places contribute in the same way to the problem of plastics, nor will all places have the same capacities to address it. And we need to include plans for how to make these changes possible in all places. The goal stated in the draft resolution is to have a committee working during the second half of this year with work completed by the end of 2024. In the show notes, you can find links to a New York Times article about this and a link to the draft resolution itself, as well as an article from the California Ocean Protection Council. In Idaho, on the native land of the Shoshone Bannock tribes, Susan B. Eirich and John Simpson run a wildlife sanctuary and wildlife rehabilitation center called Earth Fire Institute. This has been a labor of love by these two very inspired people. As a rehabilitation center, Earth Fire takes in injured and orphaned wildlife native to the area. And as a sanctuary, they have resident animals who, for various reasons, cannot be released into their natural habitats. These resident animals are the Institute's wildlife emissaries who live closely with the humans. So unlike anything that happens in a zoo or in the wild, this is letting humans get to know the species and each individual animal, and they report that, just as with humans, each is unique. Earthfire Institute is committed to bringing people and wildlife together in intimate connection through retreats, stories, film, and workshops as part of what they call reconnection ecology. They say that reconnection, which can happen with wild creatures anywhere, even in urban environments, is a visceral healing experience. 
And to quote from Earthfire's website, the deeper it is, the more impact it has in reimagining our place among Earth's ecosystems and inspiring the changes needed for all of life to survive and thrive. Brief, magical encounters with any wild being can trigger powerful reminders that we are part of a wondrous, greater whole. As Susan Eyrick has said, it's hard to destroy something we love, something that nurtures, heals, and sustains us. They are working to help people reconnect with wildlife and the other-than-human world to trust these experiences of connection and then let these experiences change our behaviors and our public policy choices. Among their resident wildlife emissaries are wolves, bears, bison, bobcats, cougars, coyotes, donkeys, foxes, horses, and porcupines. In the show notes at turningseason.com slash episode 16, you'll find the link to Earthfire Institute's website, which has beautiful videos of these animals and their humans, which can give you a visual of this mission to reimagine how we can live together, and also a link to a recent local news article about the Institute. I heard about Earthfire from a podcast listener when I sent out an email about my plan to do these short news episodes. Please do send me more news of the Great Turning happening in specific ways, especially small-scale local ways that I might not otherwise hear about, so I can include it in a future episode or post. You can contact me directly through turningseason.com on the contact page. I'll be back with your next episode on the full moon, and it's a conversation I absolutely loved and feel so grateful for with John Seed, the well-known, well-loved rainforest activist based in Australia, a teacher of deep ecology, co-creator with Joanna Macy of the Council of All Beings practice, and someone I am sure you'll be grateful to hear from, too. It is so helpful to hear from these people rising to their roles in The Great Turning, how they got where they are, how they relate to participating in The Great Turning as they also live in The Great Unraveling and business as usual, and what they're doing in their work and what they're doing personally to keep going and to love their lives. That conversation with John Seed will be published on the full moon in August. Until then, thank you for listening and for all the ways you play your part.